It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. team and we'll talk a little bit about the complexities what it's like for players coming out of that holiday break and getting that first game uh, you know what his experience is like what practices are like uh, how bodies react and everything to having a couple of days off and everything too very interested to talk about that uh, but the uh, Boilermakers a big big favorite here uh, this evening against Florida A&M. Uh, also on the program, about uh, 15 minutes away, we'll talk with Tom Deanhart, GoldenBlack.com. There's a lot of stuff going on with your Purdue football team, so we're going to grab him before uh, he hops on down to Orlando for that game on uh, Monday, uh, which we'll have right here on 1017 The Hammer. Let's go ahead and get started, uh, much like we always do with Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, let's start. Uh, how about some high school boys hoops? Uh, Jeff with a 77-69 win over, uh, was it Lindblom? It's, uh, they're in this Illinois tournament right now, and uh, 2-0. and They've got one more here today, but I I was struggling to find out like where, like who they play and what time they play, but uh, they're going good. Harrison, 51-50 over Portage. They're still undefeated. McCutcheon wins ugly, 36-34 over Perry Meridian. Faith Christian boys caught the Holy Spirit or something, man. I don't know. 71 to 18 is the score that I got. Whew. That's pretty darn good. They beat Clinton Christian. Over on the girls' side, Jeff falls 11 and 55 to 25. Faith takes down Demont Christian 70 to 56. Their next game, actually, next week, again, against that same Demont Christian team, which is a little random, right? We talked about that yesterday. All right, so how about this? You ready for a random? According to Pete Tamil, there's a new front runner for president and CEO of your Chicago Bears. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. Really? Apparently had an interview with the Bears. He's previously been executive with the Vikings. Warren, with 21 years of NFL experience, according to his bio, stops with the Rams, Lions, and 15 seasons for the Vikings. This makes very much sense for the Bears, I think. I saw some initial reaction that people were upset about it, but look, he had a big hand. I mean, he was the business end of the Vikings and got that stadium deal put together. And the Bears are kind of in the market for one of those things, aren't they? So yeah, it, that would that would make an awful lot of sense. Uh, we'll see how it works out though. Mixed reviews of him as the Big Ten commissioner. Not great to get started. Then he brought in USC and UCLA. ESPN said that he's not planning to attend either of the Michigan or Ohio State games for the college football playoff. Does that seem odd? 
It seems a little checked out. I don't know. We'll ask, I'll throw this out to Tom, too. Maybe maybe this is a good thing. We'll see. Well, Grayson Allen decided to run into DeMar DeRozan last night. You know that wasn't an accident. And the forward decides to come alive. 42 points. Leads the Bulls past the Bucks 119-113. to 113. Giannis with 45 and 22. Good Lord. Uh, the Bulls moved to 2-0 over the Central, leading Bucks on the season. Here's a weird stat for you. The Bulls are 7-1 against title contenders Celtics, Bucks, Nets, and Heat. They are 0-4 against bottom dwellers the Rockets, Spurs, and the Thunder. Go figure. Pacers are actually in action tonight. They're going to take on the Cavs. Uh, last time I checked, we were looking at a 7.5-point spread. Here's the problem right now, though, is we do not know what Tyrese Halliburton is doing. He is still listed as uh, day-to-day. You know, my friends over at DraftKings have got that uh, no-sweat bet for you in December on the uh, Pacers. And uh, I tried to put something together a little bit this morning and uh, next to impossible to do because uh, we have no idea what's going to happen with these uh, with Halliburton. Halliburton's in or he's out. I mean, it's drastically different lines for a lot of guys. Now, that line has gone, I believe, from 7.5 down to 5.5. And there are some lines in for the Pacers now. So I'll have to check Twitter. Maybe something has, maybe something has changed over the last, oh, I don't know, a uh, couple of hours here. I, I, said, I checked right before lunchtime and it didn't have anything. But at least there's, I mean, there's some, there's a couple people up for the Pacers. Like Miles Turner's in there, but still don't, must not have a, a great word on it because I don't hear anything about healed at all or. There's no lines in them from Thurn or any of that stuff, so they must not be solid on him playing or not playing. We'll keep an eye on it for you. Uh, Blackhawks in St. Louis tonight. Every better stream, right? The Blackhawks are playing again. Blues have lost their last three. They've won the only meeting uh, of the two. Five to two. Hawks struggles are well dominated or documented. Uh, St. Louis a minus two seventy eight favorite. We told you yesterday. What was it? it was some number like twenty one out of the last twenty five they've lost. And out of those 21 losses, something like 17, 18 of them, the puck line is covered, the minus one and a half. So comfortably, comfortably, um, you better, I mean, you know, I got to take a, got to take a dip on that one tonight, right? Oh, and the Blues are only minus 115 on the puck line. That's amazing. Hopefully Cairo plays. If Cairo doesn't play, I will have second thoughts about it, but I'll still probably at least put the money line into something here tonight. And uh, some Thursday Night Football tonight. Ryan Tannehill still out with that ankle injury, but no Malik Willis tonight. They're going to go with Josh Dobbs. There's also no Derrick Henry tonight. That game line has moved all the way up to 13.5 the last time that I had checked. Seems like Tennessee has no desire to want to compete in this one this evening. I mean, it's oh, it's 14 now. Good Lord. Yeah, that's going to be uh, rough sledding tonight for the uh, for the Titans. At home, too, against the Cowboys. Big Ten basketball happening today. Everybody finally back. Uh, your Purdue Boilermakers at 5 p.m. are a 37.5 point favorite. Penn State right now, 15-38 uh, into the second. They lead 34-29 to over Delaware State. Uh, Ohio State just tipped off against Alabama A&M up 9-4. to Northwestern, a 63-58 winner over Brown at home. Chase Adige with 24 points. 
Coming up later on tonight, 7 o'clock, Iowa four-point favorite in Nebraska at the Pinnacle Bank Arena. Uh, the Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan's a 21.5-point favorite over Central Michigan. Maryland at home in the Xfinity Center in College Park, 17.5-point favorite over UMBC, who is 9-4 on the season. And the Illini at home at State Farm Center in Champaign, taking on Bethune-Cookman. That game starts at 6 30. And then Purdue women's basketball getting after it tonight. You'll love to see that. Uh, they're going to take on a uh, top 15 opponent in Iowa. Nice. That game on the road and also, I believe, on Big Ten Network uh, as well. Uh, yeah, it is on BTN tonight. 9 o'clock taking on uh, number 12 or number 10, depending on, I guess, the poll that you're looking at down out there in Iowa City. Uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed and uh, cheer on Coach Gerald's and company coming off that 59-53 win at Texas A&M right before the holiday break. And there you go. That is Need to Know News. All right, let's get to this, – this is hard tonight for our Pacers no-sweat bet because, like I said, we don't have all the lines here. We don't know what's happening with with Halliburton. Uh, let me give you a couple of, at least a couple of trends here that we like. Buddy Heald against Cleveland. This is his last five games. These are the amount of three-pointers he's made. Four, five, four, four, and four. Points haven't exactly been consistent. Over that time span, 21, 19, 16, 14, and 14. But you're looking at him hitting multiple threes here tonight. So hit at least four in each of his last five meetings against Cleveland. So uh, um, into that, another guy I was looking at was uh, Donovan Mitchell against the Pacers. Been a pretty darn consistent guy as well. Knocked down eight three-pointers in the last meeting. It's 8 of 15. Has been good against him uh, against Utah as well. He was 6 of 12 uh, in his last game as a member of the Jazz. But he puts up points here. At least 25 points in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 of his last 7. So at least 25 in 6 of his last 7. Um, those are the trends that I'm writing at right now. You just got to bookmark those. That's the best we can do because, again, we just do not know. Um, you know DraftKings does not have the lines up because of Halliburton on what you're going to be able to do. But those are the couple things that have been pretty darn consistent uh, over the last several matchups. I got at least, a, what, a five-game sample for both of those? That's good. If I go last five games on Donovan Mitchell against the Pacers, he's gone over 30 points in four out of those last five. I'm sorry, it's minutes. Uh, take that back. Never mind. I'm, I'm looking at the stats right now. But over the last five, he's got at least 25 and four out of the last five. So pretty good, consistent numbers. So Buddy Heald, uh, four plus three-pointers in each of his last uh, five games against Cleveland. And Donovan Mitchell, at least 25 points in four out of his last five against the Pacers. You'll have to wait until we get a little bit closer to game time to cash in on those. But those are the trends. Where Hey, I gave you two great trends yesterday. They both cashed, right? We can do it again. Again, uh, that no sweat bet, make sure you opt in first 
and uh, place an eligible bet. Uh, my friends, DraftKings do do have another great one for you here for Thursday Night Football. Dak, 200 yards passing, plus C.D. Lamb, 55 yards receiving, boosted to plus 100. Um, and I got a max bet of 10 bucks on it, but that's free money for you. You can cover another bet, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a great one right there. Uh, Dak, 200 yards, and uh, C.D. Lamb, 55 or more. Uh, those are all great boosts tonight with my friends at DraftKings. And, of course, you get that full slate of Big Ten action tonight. It is extremely tough uh, for me. Like, I don't really want to touch this Purdue spread at 36 tonight. If you want to, go right ahead. Uh, we discussed yesterday just how brutal this Florida A&M team is. I mean, they're like IUPUI level in Ken Palm. Uh, you're not going to find uh, very many props for players here tonight. Uh, so if you want to get in on 36, go ahead and get in on 36 and a half. Uh, best of luck to you. Uh, that's just that's that's a lot of points, especially coming out of the holiday break. I just don't. I, so they could cover it. I think they'll be in the neighborhood. Uh, but that just that's that doesn't that's not a confident point. That's not a confident entry point for me coming out of the holiday break. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll hit the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Tom Deanhart from goldenblack.com. Our guest next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. We're going to pop over the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Nobody does it better than this guy right here when it comes to following your Purdue football Tom Deanhart of goldandblack.com is with us. Tom, uh, always a pleasure to have you here before you head on down to uh, Florida. Uh, first up, I want to congratulate you, man, because I think you guys did such, you and Brian and, and Alan, such a great job over there with this coaching search um, and, and staying on top of these things. Uh, portal on top of that, assistant coaches coming in. I mean, this is not an easy task, and uh, I think you guys did a uh, great job of uh, getting us all that the, the good information, not all the wild speculation like a lot of people want to. Uh, hats off to you guys. I think you did a great job. Well, thanks, and the story's being written still, right? That uh, Got to fill out that coaching staff. There's about four or five spots still open, offensive line, defensive line, running backs, and tight ends, I believe, and special teams in the slots, I believe, are still open. So, yeah, Ryan Walters is still putting his first staff together, working the portal as a second signing day on February 1st. So he's got a lot on his plate right now. Uh, have you had a chance to really talk to him yet, get, kind of get a feel for him? I, what's been your impression of what he's done and you know how he's uh, handling things over there right now? Yeah, you know, I met him real briefly after the, the press conference, uh, what, a couple weeks or so ago talked to him on the phone once and just had some text exchanges, but I really haven't gotten a chance to really sit down for an extended stretch, though. You know, like I said, he's got a lot going on. Last thing he wants to do is talk to me, probably. So, again, he's got to get that first staff bill. But I tell you what, Jared, you know, you've been part of it, too. You can see the energy that he brings. For 36 years old, he's younger than you, Jared. Yeah, younger than me. Now I'm getting old, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He was born in 1986. Everybody's high right now, I think, is 45 or younger. Oof. So uh, it's, it's a young, youthful staff. Definitely a much different vibe than the Ron regime, there's no doubt. 
Well, uh, you know, we, we, we still have some of these members around here from the Brahm regime. I, I understand it. It's kind of a necessity, right? I mean, you got to have some guys here to coach. I think it's beneficial long-term for the program to, to give Coach Walters the time to be able to work this portal time. Now, I mean, that's what he spent his time doing, building the staff and working the portal, uh, which is the future. I, I know some fans of... Um, you know, they, they feel like nefarious things happen at times with coaches and players in this bowl thing. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily happening, but I, this is all the, the whole process that's going on now with coaching and the bowl game and all that stuff. This is all normal stuff. I, I think people are kind of a little overreacting to this. Uh, kind of calm us down here a little bit. I, everything with the, everything with those coaches is still there. Coach Hagan, Coach Brahm and stuff. This is all fine, right? <laughs> Yeah, I guess some people think maybe there is something nefarious or dastardly going on because you got coaches working at Purdue or just short timers and going, I guess, across enemy lines, if you will, to to Louisville. Are they doing things like trying to recruit Purdue Boilermakers to become Louisville Cardinals? I don't think anything like that's going on. Uh, you know, all these players, I'm sure, are weighing their options. You can't blame them, I guess, right? Nope. Anytime, Jared, anytime there's change, you know, it's a, it's a very anxious time for, for people. And they know what the future is going to look like. They all ask themselves, what's my role going to be? How am I going to fit in? I don't care what job you're doing. Those questions are always the same. I'm sure the players have a lot of that going through their head, too. So, you know, give them, you, you got to let them weigh their decisions and, and their future. And I don't think any of these guys – that are still on staff. And for sure, Jared, like you said, Hagen's going to Louisville. Brian Brom's going to Louisville. I'm not sure what uh, David Elson's doing or Daya Williams, who are still, and also Carl Mislowski, they're the holdovers. I'm not sure if they're going to Louisville or not, but I don't think any of those guys are doing anything to try to dissuade current players from leaving Purdue. We're talking with Tom Deanhart of GoldenBlack.com here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. All right, let's start talking about the uh, Cheez-It Citrus Bowl being played here on uh, Monday uh, against LSU. Uh, the first thing that jumps out at you, and again, this is a product of, you know, th- this is the situation. There's opt-outs, uh, guys that are looking yeah. to, to uh, go to the NFL and preserve themselves. I understand that. Guys that are heading into the portal now because they feel like that uh, this gives them the best chance. Uh, I understand that. Here's the problem, though. It seems like a couple units in particular are hit very hard here, Jeff. Uh, it, it, the, the offensive line and the defensive line, and I'm starting to scratch my head and go, we do have guys to fill these spots, though, when we go down to Orlando, right? Yeah, I think I think a D-line will be okay. Now, remember, Branson Dean, Lawrence Johnson, and Jack Sullivan have all entered the portal, but they're going to play in the bowl game. And uh, and then, then, then they're going to test the waters, if you will, Jared. That may be the best way to put it. To see what else is out there. They each have a next year of eligibility that COVID year they can use. So I think the D-line will be good. Um, the offensive line is a bit of a worry for me. Um, razor thin right now, but has nothing to do with just, just the one defection, I guess, Spencer Holsters. That was a big defection, Jared. You know, he, he hit the portal on December 5th and quickly landed at UCLA. And, uh, of course, Gus Hartwig is out with injury, right? Uh-huh. And Dan- Daniel Johnson's been out. Cam Craig's career is over. So you're looking at four guys who are starters or starting quality guys gone. And your top five guys right now are solid, Jared. This is a solid starting five. But they can't afford any, any mishaps or injuries against LSU. 
And I think the receivers should be okay, Jared, even without Charlie Jones. I know that may sound silly to say Charlie Jones was spectacular, but I still think, you know, T.J. Sheffield, Mershon Rice, Deion Burks, uh, guys of that ilk, uh, I, I think they should be solid and okay there. Of course, you got Mockaby, you got Paul Paferi at tight end, and then Austin Burton. So I think, you know, it's not your A team across the board offensively, but I, I think that they have a chance maybe to be, you know, uh, still a pretty representative offensive unit on January 2nd. Uh, I like how you you brought up the uh, tight end spot because you know Payne Durham is uh, he, you know he's going to go on and and I understand that and I start to think about the depth over there at tight end which is a, a little yeah. bit thin but here's and I'm just I was spitballing this and it just totally jumped back in my head because I completely forgot about this and, and it's an important position but I had completely forgotten about Garrett Miller for the longest time since he had that knee injury mm-hmm. back in the fall and yeah. and then I had to go back and look I said well does he still have another year yeah he should still come back and do another year. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be, I mean, th- that would be a very important player, I think, as you head into the spring to hopefully get him back sometime. Have you heard anything from him, like, in the last I don't know, couple of months or so, how he's doing? He's doing okay from what I've heard. You know, he's just a redshirt junior this year. He got to campus in 2019, so he's got a couple more years. And, you know, Jared, he's, he's the real pro prospect of the tight end. He's, he's much more of a pro prospect than Payne Durham. And that was a big loss. So Purdue is down to its third tight end. And just a couple of years ago, remember, Paul Pafferi was a, was a quarterback. Yeah. And then we start in the bowl game against LSU. His backup's Drew Biver, a redshirt freshman. So, yeah, boy, I don't know. I, I can't say what Garrett Miller's future is going to be. You know, uh, he'll be healthy, I think. But how much is this new offense going to use a tight end? And that that's going to be an interesting position. I'm sure there's a role for a tight end, but. I'm not totally sure what Graham Harrell, the new OC, is going to do. And, you know, it's that air raid concept of an attack. You know, that, that can be a philosophy. That, that doesn't mean you're going to throw it 80 times a game. But it seems like those offenses don't always have uh, a heavy use of a tight end. And if they do, it's almost more of an athletic guy, like an H-back, you know. And uh, But anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens with that position in Garrett Miller here, I'm sure, uh, in the next couple months. So, yeah, that's an interesting spot to watch. And real quick, too, Jared, on defense, I talked about the line. I think they'll be good there. That back seven, you know, Jalen Graham, gone. Mm-hmm. Corey Trice, gone. Your two best players on defense are gone. So uh, there's some concern there, obviously, going against a very dynamic LSU offense led by their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, a 800-yard rusher and a 2,000-yard passer. He's going to be a handful to, for that defense to try to – Take down. Well, you you heard it here first, guys. Tom Tom Dean Hart says, "Maybe maybe think about those team overs on LSU if you're lining things up. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one, but it'll be a good one. Uh, the uh, Cheez Its uh, Citrus Bowl. Oh, by the way, uh, I, I'm assuming that you got the press release uh, that it's not. It's just Cheez It. The plural of Cheez It is not Cheez Its. It's Cheez It Crackers. Uh, did that blow your mind? I didn't see that. Maybe what? I totally missed that, but that, that's why I'm glad I spoke to you. So it's, it's cheese it, not cheese it. Yeah, no, no. There's no cheese its. No, so you can only have a singular cheese it, or it's cheese it crackers. Apparently, was the thing. You just can't do it with the, with the plural. Uh, it's like calling Buffalo Wild Wings BW threes. They you, you, no, we don't go with that. You got to do the whole name type deal. They're particular. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to change my style book on that one. But I head down. Um, I head down tomorrow. 30th, and then I'll obviously stay through the game and come back on the 3rd. So, yeah, the team's obviously down there going to Universal Studios. Saw that. It looks like they're having fun. So, 
Yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what the topic of the crowd is, Jared. You know, LSU's had a lot of opt-outs, too. They've got their issues. They're in a little bit better shape, but everybody's had opt-outs. So it's nothing new, and uh, it just takes a lot of luster here off these games. And I will say this, Jared, you know, this is not a new revelation, right? We've seen guys opt out of bowls for several years. But yep. The thing that seems like we're seeing more of even now is in the past, usually the guys who opted out were first or second round picks, right? Yeah. And now you're seeing guys who I, I must think, hey, if I'm just even a, a potential draft prospect, I'm going to opt out. Because none of the guys for Purdue, Aiden O'Connell, Payne Durham, Charlie Jones, Graham or Twice, none of those guys project to be a first-round pick, second-round pick, or even a third-round pick, yet they're still going to opt out. So college football knows it has a real problem here. You know, Ross Dellinger of SI had a big story on how the sport's going to try to look at how they can solve this in the offseason to try to keep these games together and not see these rosters fall apart like they have been here recently. Well, they're not even going to be able to staff up these, uh, what is it, like the Shrine game or like the East-West Bowl? Because they used to have those bowl games there specifically for these NFL scouts to come and watch these guys. Now, uh, if they're all going to opt out for the regular bowl games, they're definitely not going to make it to that game. Well, I think, you know, there's talk about pooling the bowl money that typically goes to schools and giving that to the players who participate. So I think they've got a number of ideas in the story that I read to try to solve this conundrum. But I'll be honest, I don't blame the kids for not wanting to play. Me neither. That may, that, that, that may upset some people, but you know what, Jared? Even if you're projected to be a first or a second round pick, there's no amount of money you could pay me to play in a bowl game. Because think, think of the bonus money you're looking at in the NFL. Well, just to play and be on the practice squad. What do you make on the practice squad these days? Yeah, even if even you say I'm going to give you $10,000 to play in the cheese of bowl, I say I don't care. That's not going to move me. I don't, 20 grand is not going to do it. You know, again, I, maybe that's, that, that, that'll be enough to keep 85% of the rosters together. But the truly elite guys, you're not going to be able to give enough money to have them want to play in these games. I hear you, buddy. Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. Again, doing a great job staying on top of the new coaching hires, portal stuff, everything you need to know. And uh, he's on his way down to Orlando as long as he's not booked on Southwest. I'm sure he'll be down to Orlando. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I am not. Thank goodness. I know. What, what, what a fiasco that was. Uh, yeah, but Tom's going to be good to go, so make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. <laughs> he'll have all the latest that you need to know. Um, and, uh, yeah, buddy, hey, have some fun. Uh, bring back some mouse ears for us, all right? Be good. Happy belated uh, birthday and happy new year, Jared. Be good, buddy. I appreciate it, Tom. Take care, bud. All right, Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. Always a pleasure. Hey, hang tight here. Uh, Bobby Buckets, uh, old Bobby Riddell, going to be on with us next. We'll talk some Purdue basketball, what it's like to go through that holiday break, ramp it down, and try to ramp it back up again in such short succession, uh, plus an outlook for the uh, Big Ten season and uh, how this team is. Uh, we're going to talk with him next. Stick around. There's plenty more Hammer Down Show coming up next. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. To the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, we go. And uh, we have Bobby Riddell. Mr. Bobby Buckets is uh, on the line with us here. Talk a little bit of uh, Purdue Hoops, which is uh, back tonight. Uh, it's an early start to 5 o'clock against a, uh, it's not exactly a formidable Florida A&M team. It's uh, very low in the uh, Ken Palm, but coming out of the holiday break. Bobby, great to have you here uh, a 36-and-a-half-point spread today kind of basically tells you everything you need to know about this game. Uh, Purdue cruising at number one. Uh, let's just start with the timing of this game here. You're coming out of the holiday break, and 
what's it like? You, you've done this at the high school level, obviously. Now you've done it at the uh, collegiate level, where uh, you, you get this extended time off, where there's no classes, there's there's no practice and stuff. How hard is it to get back into the swing of things here in time for this first game coming out of the holiday? Yeah, I mean, it, it can be really difficult, that's for sure. You have all that time off. You get able to go home and be with your family and enjoy the holidays, and, and then you got to try to ramp things up, and that's why you know, Coach Painter likes to get those guys back, uh, certainly a, a number of days ahead of time after that Christmas holiday to try to get in the flow of things to get the competition going again in practice and that's the great thing about this Purdue team is you have a lot of competition day out, day in and day out in practice. So I'm sure the, the competitive drills have been run uh, quite a bit the last couple of days just to get that back up and flowing in practice. And um, the nice thing for Purdue, though, is they do have an opponent here, uh, as you mentioned, in Florida A&M that uh, would probably have to play their best game and Purdue play their worst game, essentially, for, for them to pull off the upset in Mackey Arena. What's it like just on Christmas? I mean, when you finally get home, and obviously, you know, you don't have to fly like some of these guys do or, or drive extended periods. Uh, you know, you're the King Harris in high school, so, uh, you know, it's right down the street for you. But uh, what's it like? You, you have all that intensity here through the non conference season, then just to finally, like, set that down. I mean, is it kind of a little bit of a shock to your system a little bit here? Do you, do you, do you have that realization, of like, wow, we were. Like, I, I had that thing, I had this engine running in the red there. Like, it, it was really ramped up. What's that like then finally where you set that down? Do you have that realization of just how hard you've been working before that? I mean, certainly, yeah, you do to some degree. Um, you know, there's just there's so much energy that gets put into the preseason, uh, those couple weeks of practice there before the first game where you're really uh, competing and vying for playing time and trying to find – your spot in the rotation or, or where you where you land. Um, and so it's really competitive. And then once you start the games, things certainly slow down a lot from a practice standpoint as far as the physicality and some of that stuff goes. And then, you, you know, you get excited to play other people besides yourself. And, and then, you know, you have some of those really exciting non-conference games um, like this year's team has had, uh, especially out in Portland. And for the fact that this team's been able to be successful, it had to be a huge confidence builder just because this is such a young team and a lot of new guys. And so even though they're having success, I'm sure, against each other in practice from time to time, you don't know how the team's going to gel when you play somebody else. And so it's been great to see them have success and build that confidence. And then, then, yeah, as you get close to that Christmas holiday and as you get close to the Big Ten season, you're ready to ramp up. uh, It's definitely interesting, especially like this year where you have some lesser opponents kind of in between. And so it's, I'm sure it's tough to keep your edge um, and keep your focus level with the holidays, with finals, and then with some, you know, opponents that don't exactly scare you on paper. So um, it was nice to see Purdue uh, play the previous game, I think, without Zach Eady. I think that was kind of actually like um, a challenge to some of those other guys for them to step up and play well without your best player and probably a good thing for Purdue in a roundabout way to have to play some extended period of time without big Zach just because he's done such a good job staying out of foul trouble this year. They haven't had to really do that, but I'm sure there's going to be games down the road where he maybe has to sit extended periods of time with foul trouble. And so it was nice for Purdue to have to navigate some of that uh, time without him on the floor and just see how they can be successful. And so uh, kind of ironic how that maybe worked out uh, to benefit them. But then, yeah, here you have another game kind of right before the Big Ten ramps up, the trap game of sorts. 
but I'm sure these guys will be excited to play another game in Mackey Arena after they've been after they've been off for so long. We're talking with Bobby Riddell here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline, uh, along with uh, Rob Blackman, the uh, radio crew uh, for your uh, Purdue basketball squad. Yeah, you mentioned that game uh, against New Orleans, seventy-four to fifty-three, the win. It's a that was a twenty-one point victory. And when, when you talk about playing with Zach here, I mean, it's not exactly like they were prepared to do that. They're not spending extended periods of practice without Zach to, to, to play like that. This was a uh, kind of a last-second thing. I think fans were a little bit jittery early on because they weren't really pulling away from New Orleans, even though the final uh, score, you know, basically indicates that uh, they should, you know, they, they ran that thing. But I mean, that's, that was a last-second adjustment for them. I don't think, I don't know to you, but it was a surprise to me that they struggled a little bit early on to try to figure out what the rhythm was and, and, and who should get the ball. That was a, kind of a Johnny-on-the-spot change to, uh, to, to the lineup there. But I, I think at the end of the day, they, they, they tackled that task uh, pretty admirably. Didn't you think so? Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I wasn't surprised to see, you know, first five to ten minutes or so of that game that Purdue was, you know, playing uh, back and forth with with New Orleans, uh, just because. Yeah, it was a very last second thing uh, regarding Zach's, you know, not being available for that game, and uh, he's obviously an extreme focal point of what Purdue does offensively. So to have to navigate that without him. Um, and you know they kind of started that lineup with Caleb first and Mason Gillis together, where uh, both those guys not not I, neither one is really a major post threat per se. You know Caleb can do it a little bit, um, and so you kind of had a five out lineup there, and so just a little bit of a different look than they normally have uh, with usually either Zach or Trey Kaufman Wren in the game who can you know both score on the block pretty well. So um, well, I wasn't surprised to see them. You know, have to find their way a little bit there, but it was nice that after about ten minutes or so of a pretty tightly contested ball game, that Purdue was able to uh, ramp it up, and then really that last ten minutes of the first half or so was uh, pretty dominant. I, I thought the performance we got out of Trey Kaufman running that game was was huge because it did a couple of things. One, uh, you continue to develop that uh, big man there, and he's just got that really really nice scoring touch. And two. Uh, you, you mentioned about not having to play uh, with Zach Eady in that much foul trouble, but the Big Ten season's coming. It's going to get physical, and yeah, he's going to end up on the uh, the the bad end of the stick, so to speak, on one of those things. To see him come in and, and play the way that he did, uh, I think that gives you confidence that if you run into a situation like that again, uh, that he is. I mean, he looks to be the future down there. Uh, him and Caleb, uh, we know Caleb. Uh, that's a proven commodity here, but. Uh, the more time I think we get with Trey Cop and Run, the, the more impressed that I am with that young man. I'm with you there. He he's a talented scorer. Uh, he you know he's got he's got a little quirkiness to him as far as just some of the shiftiness and the moves and the footwork he does down there. Uh, I feel like he does a good job of keeping guys uh, off balance. Um, you know he really likes to score with that right hand, and it's a little bit like Travion uh, before him as far as. You know, don't really like to go to that left hand very often, but the way they pivot and kind of utilize their footwork, they're able to keep their defender off balance and, and able to get back to their right hand um, easier than you think they might be able to. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, certainly, as Trey moves along, he'll have uh, more of the scouting report focused on him as his career moves on. But and you know, he might have to make some adjustments here and there. But he's been fun to watch. His touch around the rim is is really impressive. Uh, he can step out, and he's proven he can, you know, make open three. Uh, obviously, like a lot of the guys on the team, you you want those percentages to go up a little bit from from long distance. But he's 
at least shown he's got that capability to step out and he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. And as you said, you know, he's probably the future at that center position. And just him having a good game like that was nice because, you know, so much of our offense uh, is inside out, uh, whether that, you know, mainly Zach being the guy that is is finishing or or starting the offense um, down low. So it's nice to know when he's out of the game, we have another, you know, proven scorer who we can run a lot of the same actions through and you feel like uh, he's going to be able to score and finish on the back end or uh, maybe initiate offense from that low block. We're talking with uh, Bobby Riddell here on the Hammerhead Hotline. You kind of touched on, I think, what's been the Achilles heel for Purdue lately. Uh, it's been that outside shooting here. Uh, when teams want to come in and double uh, Zach, box him in there, uh, there's those wide-open threes. Purdue's getting those wide-open looks. They're, they're not falling right now, uh, or at least they're not falling like they were out in uh, Portland. H- how concerned are you about that? And I mean, that seems to be the key for the uh, Big Ten season. Those things have to fall, otherwise... It's going to be a long January and February for Zach Eady, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. He's going to unfortunately see some uh, double and triple teams early and often if, if Purdue is not able to at some point make some outside shots at a consistent level to make teams pay. It's just something that this team's going to, you know, if they want to reach their ceiling, they're going to have to do that as a team and uh, make defenses pay for loading up on Zach Eady. And, you know, that, that's what's been a little disappointing is I feel like the quality of, of shots have been pretty good, that the team has not been able to hit at a high enough percentage uh, to, you know, uh, make people extremely happy with our offense. But the fact is we still have a, a very efficient offense. We have an unbelievable offensive rebounding team, so we've been able to um, minimize some of the issues with those misses at times by getting the offensive rebound and sticking it back in. Um, so that's hasn't hurt us as much, but – uh, you know, we've definitely been able to claw out a couple of wins against Davidson and, and Nebraska by not shooting well. But when the competition ramps up even further, I have a hard time imagining they'll still be able to win a lot of those games by shooting as poorly as they have. So uh, the percentages might not have to come up uh, dramatically or drastically, but they do have to come up a little bit uh, to where um, some more of those open three balls are going down and, and there's such big momentum plays in a game. You, know, you get a couple stops and if you get a couple threes, it can just be such a momentum play and, and obviously can stretch out a lead or, or get you back in a game. So I'm fully confident in guys like David Jenkins and Brandon Newman and Fletcher Lawyer who have shot the three extremely well throughout their whole life basically that they're going to start making some of these open shots at a, at a higher clip and I think that's going to really benefit Purdue. Bobby, before we let you go, uh, last time we had you on, uh, you, you had a little shout-out for your you – know, we all know you are the king of Harrison High School. The kids, they still look up to you. I believe there's a shrine in there, too, uh, someplace <laughs> in the locker room. That's what I've heard. I haven't seen it, but they tell me there's a very nice, impressive shrine uh, to old Bobby Buckets out there. Last time you were on, you gave a little shout-out, undefeated since uh, your last appearance here on the show. So I feel like uh, I have a responsibility locally here for you to uh, go ahead and give another quick Harrison shout-out to Mark Reinert and company who remain undefeated here. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble if they go on a slide in mid-January because I didn't give you a chance to talk up your Harrison Raiders for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's it's been impressive what Coach Reinhardt's done there. Uh, you know, it's they graduate a guy as impressive. Uh, as they had going, moving on to Marquette and um, with Lucas leaving and for them to continue to have the success they're having this year, that's that's pretty impressive. Obviously, Lucas's younger brother doing his thing there for the Raiders still, so that's 
that's been a huge boost and um, it, it's fun to see that uh, Harrison you know is able to have the level of success they're having I always enjoy uh, following on Twitter and seeing the wins so it's always it's always fun and um, congrats to coach Reinhardt for building the program that he's built to this point. There you go. They got uh, Tech on the 6th, Lake Central on the 7th. You might just go ahead and pencil in the W's. Bobby's already got the uh, the, the shout-out there, so uh, we're batting a 1,000 on that. Buddy, it's always a pleasure talking some uh, basketball with you here. Uh, it's uh, it's a wonderful time of the year as we get into the Big Ten season. I enjoy listening to you uh, you and uh, Rob, although you got competition tonight because I see Ray Phil's on the TV side doing Keller tonight too. So I don't know how I can get both. Uh, maybe like one in one ear and one in the other. I don't know how to do that tonight. <laughs> but I love supporting both of you guys. You do a great job on the radio, man, and I always appreciate having you on the show here. Awesome. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Gotta thank Bobby Buckets there. Always great again. He'll be on that radio call here. They're about a like an hour away here. Five o'clock with the tip off today. Oh, yikes! Uh, a thirty-six and a half point spread today in that game. Oof. Oof. We told you yesterday, like Florida A&M's Ken Palm is just like it's like tenth from the bottom. <laughs> They're only ten spots in front of IUPUI. It's not great. Um, so, uh, this will be a good, uh, kind of just, you know, shake the rust off type game. As you're Bobby, you know, it can be difficult when you get this time of the year. You get out of that routine. Anytime you break the routine, that's something Tom talked about in there too. You know, you know, routine can be uh, a little rough for some guys here. So, uh, looking forward, uh, to that game here in just a little bit. And uh, hopefully the Boilermakers uh, pull themselves out a, a nice large margin of victory. You know, UConn struggled for times last night at uh, against Villanova, and I still good, saw Goodman declare them the best team in the country today. So, I mean, if we don't win by like forty or something like that, who knows where they some of these people will rank us at on Monday? But uh, looking forward to it here. All right, time for some things we missed. Pele passed away. What? We've we've been hearing about him having the health issues, but he passes away uh, at the age of 82. This just happened here um, in the last couple of hours. Uh, sad, uh, the Brazilian just like synonymous with soccer. I mean, few people uh, are as synonymous with a, a single sport like Pele was. Not the biggest soccer guy in the world. I can appreciate the impact that he has uh, on his uh, on his country and on his sport. Uh, very sad stuff to hear. But Pele passed away today uh, at the age of 82. Look, that's going to do it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. Big thank you to our guests again, Tom Deanhart and uh, Bobby Riddell. Uh, if you want to, you can go back and listen to both those interviews. We get this uh, show posted for you online, 1017thehammer.com, the 1017 The Hammer mobile app also has it for you we're also on google podcasts uh, apple podcasts spotify uh, amazon music about everywhere you can listen to podcasts we have got you covered coming back tomorrow we'll wrap up it's the last workday of 2022 sam king journal and courier will join us that's back here tomorrow three o'clock for the hammer down show on 1017 the hammer